It's time to get restless. Welcome back to The Restless Show. We're trying to find our way through young adulthood in this crazy world by living as faithful Catholics. I'm Father Joseph Gill, and I'm here with Lauren, with Javier, and with Diane. As today we dive deeper into issues that young adults are facing, particularly an issue that I know has been a struggle for many people because I hear them uh, talk about it quite a bit. And that's how to be a disciple of Christ in an environment that may be hostile to the faith. It might be your work. It might be your friend group, it might be your roommates that you live with, but there could be a lot of uh, people in your life who are not do not follow Christ and don't have the same vision. And how do you be a disciple in the midst of that situation? It's kind of a tough one. So first of all, I'm very blessed. You know, as a priest, I deal with Catholics pretty much all day. I don't really too too much deal with atheists or people of other religions. But would you say that all of your workplaces are uh, pretty secular? Yes. Yes. Yep. <laughs> how how do you see that manifested and what makes for a secular environment conversations unwholesome talk people constantly being in competition with each other not rejoicing when somebody does something well but more trying to see how they can you know one up somebody one up somebody yeah um and then just the way that people talk to you you know even even your managers they might yell at you. They might curse, you know, depending on, I mean, I work in construction. So for me, it's a little bit different. My manager actually yells at me and curses when he talks. <laughs> so Diane might not have to deal with all that. I um, hear it a lot. Do you, you really? Hear, oh, yeah. At Pricewaterhouse Cooper? Yes. Have you been cursed at, though? Uh, Not cursed at. Yeah. Yelled at. Yeah, that, that one was a tough one for me. And actually, the first job I ever had was an internship in real construction, this is more of an office job that I have right now, but I was a field engineer and uh, for a company called Qit, and uh, ooh, that that was real. That was real talk. <laughs> I remember actually earthy like, people. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I I had a I had a very small accident, and um, I went to the infirmary because I didn't know any better. You don't do that in construction, you know, because that's a recordable. Oh, you know, you take care of yourself. You know, if you have like a very small accident, but I was like, well. Oh, it's going to go to the infirmary. That's what it's there for. You know, when I was in school, I'd go to the, you know, nurse's office. So that was me going to the nurse's office. Uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> the manager called me because he saw that we had a recordable from one of the field engineers, not somebody out in the job. And I would never dare to repeat what he said to me or <laughs> the tone of voice that he said it in. Um, but I had to get used to that, you know. And I was actually not nearly as I was not working with the Lord back then but still i was like you don't talk to anybody like that wow and really yeah but you deal with that on a daily basis at work interesting interesting i would say you know in the corporate environment um you know what no one religion is supposed to be above any other right like we're all equal and we could all have our own faith but that means there's no faith really right like um we decorated for christmas but that's not you know, really around religion, right? You know, it's just a cultural thing. Cause well, that's most pretty of good Americans... if you could say Merry Christmas in your, your office. Yeah, Because there's could some do that. where you probably Happy can't. holidays. Happy holidays, yeah. Yeah. That'd be very, very politically, in, politically correct, you know. 
Yeah, and I would say just to like just initiatives that firms espouse these days. I, I think it's very common in the corporate world of like, for example, Pride Month and everything, the diversity initiatives that are happening. Um, it's it's very fed into the everyday communications and um, stuff like that. And then kind of to Javi's point too about just the competitive nature, you know, if you're working with a bunch of type A people and it's just climbing the corporate ladder. How many hours can you work? How hard can you push yourself to the detriment of your family, not seeing your family, not having time for prayer, life, um, all those things. Hmm. Wow. So that sounds like a very challenging environment to keep your, your Catholic faith in. What have, you, what have you found to be the most the biggest challenge in keeping your faith in an environment like that? Oh, I would never, you know, sway from my faith ever, you know, and I never have. Um, and in most of my life, I've been in a secular environment, right? Whether it's public school or going to college, all my friends, you know, that I've made since college, people are just not religious, you know, kind of in, in most of the environments that I live in. But what ha that has done to me is made me very aware, you know, if I kind of portray that I'm a person of faith, because I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable, you know, like if I talk about God and maybe they're afraid of God, right? Because I I don't know. I've kind of um, seen a theme of people that don't really have any faith. They also have this pretty strong fear of death because they don't have comfort in it, right? They don't know what's happening. So if I just kind of show that I have faith, and this is even just me wearing a cross, which I started to do like in the last year, I just felt like I should, like, and I shouldn't be, you know, intimidated to do that. And it's weird, right? Like, why do I have this you know, complex about just wearing a cross. Tons of people do. I see them all the time. I never think anything of it, but I don't want to make somebody else uncomfortable in my workplace. So I started wearing it and then I was just always conscious, like, oh, I just saw my president, you know, and I'm wearing a cross. So he knows I'm a religious person. Like, what does he think of me? I don't know. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and then someone else said to me, well, it may also be comforting some people that you're wearing it. And I was like, oh, okay, so maybe I should just stop worrying. You know what I mean? Like, and has it ever sparked a conversation? No. Probably a good thing, but yeah, at least it hasn't gone bad. But I guess what I realized too is the ways that I can live up my faith um, is trying to be a good person, right? You know, um, be caring towards other and be a good listener, and you know, not overreact or get angry and yell, right? Like, try to avoid being abrasive or, you know, mean or whatever it is, and just be understanding and open and kind and helpful, right? So that people can look at me and be like, oh, Lauren's a nice person or she's helpful or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And maybe that can kind of associate with, oh, she's Catholic and maybe that's not so bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you know, I bet the cross though, even if it hasn't sparked a conversation yet, people now know that you are a woman of faith, which means that if they're going through a tough time and maybe they need prayers, maybe they just got diagnosed with cancer or some you know, spouse got sick, they know that they can come to you and say, Lauren, can, can you pray for me? Mm -hmm. Lauren, I know that you have faith in God. I think even just telling people that you're praying for them, you know, when you develop sort of a bond and a friendship with people that you work with, like I have, um, I think it's, no matter where they're coming from, from a faith perspective, like you just kind of have to be bold and, you know, honestly, like you want their, their well-being. And, um, I think that just saying that you're praying for them, actually praying for them every day, um, it really does have an impact. 
And I don't think we'll ever know sort of like the necessarily the seed that we might be planting or what they could feel down the road. But um, I think it's very important to be bold in all of those little things. I mean, who would ever turn down prayer? Yeah. Right. You know, maybe somebody, I guess. (laughs) Well, I even went through this phase where I wasn't sure if it was okay for me to say, you know, um, my thoughts and prayers are with you or I'll pray for you when someone had a loved one pass. Mm. You know, Mm. just feeling like, oh, they're going to judge me like, oh, she's going to pray for me. Like that's actually going to do anything, you know, whereas I know it will. Right. And then I was like, no, it'll, it'll do more than thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Sure. And that's not All what my thoughts are with say. you. What are your thoughts going to do? Uh, <laughs> don't, don't so care true. what your thoughts are. Really, you know? People are being nice, right? They're trying to do something while they have no faith. But then that was just another thing I had to get over. Like, no, you can say that or I can write it right, on someone's post, like this loving post about their father that passed away. Right. Like I could say I'm praying for you, your family and for your father. Right. And. That's a good message, and so I should be okay with sending it. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me it was, and I, we, we, we've talked about this in Bible studies and stuff. I think it was getting over the fear of having conversations, speaking in the same way that I speak to my, my Christian brothers and sisters, in the same way. Speaking about, well, this is what the Lord wants for me and stuff, but the Lord wanted this, and mentioning the Lord in my conversations with, anybody that I talk to, you know, um, and sharing the gospel at work. You know, I had a legitimate fear that if I share the gospel at work, I'd get called into HR. Not once have I been called into HR or has anybody gotten uncomfortable with that, you know? How often would you say that you've done that? Almost on a daily basis. (laughs) Really? How many people? Anybody that I encounter at work. Huh. The same way that I speak to you guys, that's the same way I talk at work. You know, if I say, you know, um, I'm dealing with something um, and uh, I had to work on my patience, but I know that's what the Lord wanted for me because this is what I got out of it. You know, I didn't see it, but the Lord, you know, had a bigger understanding of what the situation was going to, what the outcome of the situation was going to be. And I have no fear. I used to have fear of speaking like that because I was like, oh, I'm going to be labeled as this super religious person. But I'm like, that is who I am, you know? And the more you do it, you know, it's like the more you grow in your faith because you start falling in love with who you are as a follower of Christ, as an ambassador for Christ. And that's what you do. And, and you see the Lord is giving you opportunities all the time. You know, when somebody asks you a question, that is an opportunity to talk about the Lord, you know? And, you know, you make the most of it. So like when someone says, like, where's the bathroom? <laughs> no, the Lord, you had the Lord in that one. <laughs> the Lord will show the way. <laughs> but I think it's also like we talk about, you know, a lot of these corporate environments now are all about tolerance, right? So it's like, okay, well, why can't I speak about my faith? It's like, it seems like we are being fed everything but Christ at work. And it's like, why can't I, I mean, isn't that equality for me to speak my mind? Um, I know for example, me and there's one other, there was one other guy who was very faithful and, um, they were going to do a happy hour on good Friday and, um, bad taste. Yeah. And we were just very offended by it. So, you know, he ended up contacting HR, but we talked about it. Like, you know, we, we should be able to say something and that, you know, if something offends me, why can't I speak up about it? Yeah. So I think you just have to be bold. 
there is that aspect of being bold. You know, I remember when I um, used to minister at a, a certain hospital, I would see some of the Muslim doctors and nurses come down five times a day into the little prayer room chapel, and they'd bring out their mat and they'd bow towards Mecca. And I was like, wow, they were able to take 15 minutes and go and pray. And then I'd meet with these Catholic nurses who were like, oh, you know, I missed mass last weekend because I just didn't have any time. I was working 12-hour shifts Saturday and Sunday. And I was like, well, wait a second, like the Muslims have time to pray. The Jews don't work on their Sabbath. Like, why are we as Catholics afraid to say, hey, I need an hour to go to mass? Like, you know, you and I talked about that. And I, I started thinking about that as well. You know, and we play, we pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet at 3 p.m. So I go into a conference room and I pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet. And if anybody has anything to say, (laughs) I'll just say, hey, if I was Muslim, you would not be saying anything because it's a Truth. The, the difference, I think the key difference between our faith and their faith is that their faith um, involves their culture as well. Mm-hmm. So the world knows, oh, Muslims play, pray five times a day. Which is very inspirational, Jews to be honest. don't work on the Sabbath. Everybody knows that. Not because of religion, but because of culture. We, But also because I think they've insisted on it over the right, years. Right, you know, right, right. Catholics it's, haven't sometimes. Exactly. And, now, of course, obviously, there's a balance. You know, you don't say, excuse me, I need to do three holy hours. I can't come into work. You know, I mean, there's a balance right. in that, too, because you do have to keep your job. And I think the difference, it seems like, like, like you're kind of starting to say, is that we've allowed this to be okay. And we've yes. let all these other things fill up our schedules, even if it's just, you know, families where kids have soccer and baseball and hockey. And you can look at that and say, like, wow, okay, your family has three kids, let's say, and you cart them everywhere, like, throughout the week, but you cannot give an hour to go to church. Why? Because it's probably not important or you don't see the value or yeah. whatever it is, but it is important and, and we need to keep going, you know? Here in, here in Stanford, I was jogging and I saw this big sign for a Jewish baseball league. And the reason why is because they didn't want games on the Sabbath. So they started their own league. Right. Know? But we as Catholics, I mean, here in our town of Stanford, Connecticut, we're approximately 70% Catholic. It's a very it's a very high ratio of Catholics, but we have no problem playing on Sunday mornings. <laughs> What's wrong with us? Ah. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, so living out your faith in your work environment is is challenging, but it sounds like you're finding ways to do that. You know, whether it's wearing a cross, or whether it is just genuinely speaking about your own relationship with the Lord. Um, you know, when people ask, I know, um, you know, my dad used to have crucifix on the wall of his office, and people ask, you know, what'd you do this weekend? It's like oh, I went to this beautiful mass, and people would ask and. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a great, great avenue because then people would kind of be very curious. So really, where where was that mass at? Oh, it's my my church back home, St. Peter's. You know, why don't you come? And uh, sometimes people would be interested, intrigued. But, you know, in addition to um, having you know the challenges of, of secularity at work, uh, we also of course have the challenge of secularity sometimes in our friend group as well. And after our break, we're going to come back and talk about how do you deal with. Uh, should you as a Christian have friends that are secular and how do you continue to witness to Christ to them? Thanks for joining us. Come and join us again right after the break. Welcome back to Restless. We've been wrestling with the question of how do you live your faith when you're surrounded in a secular environment, whether it's at work, 
And now we're going to talk about uh, not just work, but friends, because some of us have friends that don't share our faith in Christ. And I think first we have to ask the question, should a Christian young adult have friends that don't share our, our, our vision of Christ? What do you guys think? I would, I would say that it depends on how strong your faith is, where you are in your walk. Because I was listening to the sermon once, um, and um, they used this analogy of a person standing on a chair. He said, if I'm standing on a chair, what is, it, what, what is easier, for me to bring somebody up to this chair or for them to pull me down? You know? And that's the same analogy that we have to, how, how strong is the foundation of that chair? How strong are we, you know? Because it is so much easier for somebody to pull us down, mm. right? Mm. So if our walk with the Lord is not very strong, and we know that, everybody knows that. Everybody knows where they're at, you know? If you have a weakness for drinking, if you have a weakness for pursuing, you know, lust secular or, relations, lust, yeah, yes, mean, yeah. exactly. You know, then you probably should not be hanging out with people that are drinking every weekend, people that are pursuing, you know, lust and stuff. Um, mm. But if you are strong in your faith, then it is an opportunity to be a light to those. But, but, just like Jesus hung out with tax collectors and sinners, that was not the main people he hung out with. He <laughs> had his disciples. And even within his disciples, he had his three. Yeah, Peter, so, James, and John. Yeah, exactly. And I think friends. that's what we're, called to we're called to be like our lord jesus and so you know that's how i that's how i approach friendships you know i'm walking with the lord i'm gonna have, i'm gonna take advantage of those opportunities that he gives me to be a light to those around me but only for a little bit you know so lauren would you say that like most of your friends are christian or most of your friends are perhaps of a secular mindset or mix or most of my friends are absolutely secular you know agnostic or atheist or uh, grew up something, you know, Protestant or whatever. Uh, but I don't really know anyone uh, that's practicing now, you know. Um, but don't I don't you think know that, us? Sorry. Oh, don't you know us? I mean, no, outside of, you know, <laughs> the obvious Catholic friends, right, in this community here at St. John's that I've started to grow in over the last couple of years. But most of my life, no. And, and even thinking back, like, I enjoyed my religious education, and I had friends there, you know, going through confirmation. And I remember looking around like, wow, there's kind of a lot of us here getting confirmed. And, and that felt good. But there weren't deep friendships there and they didn't last. And, you know, most of those kids, I don't think, stayed in the faith either. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think I shouldn't be friends with any of these people. You know, um, I've certainly been swayed, you know, to think that things are acceptable, like whatever, you know, culturally the mindset, I, I think I was certainly brought into thinking, oh, this is okay, this is all right. But I went through my own kind of discernment, right, and evaluation and what is the truth and what's sin. And it was talking to people that had a much stronger faith than me that helped me to realize these things. Mm -hmm. So I've certainly transformed the way I think and, you know, what I believe and how I live. Um, and I want to do that for others, right? You know, like, I don't know when it's going to happen. It's it certainly happened, you know, in my past, you know, different conversations. Some people are more interested. Some people are not. But things do come up. Um, so I have had conversations about different forms of the faith. And I've usually always felt that I failed, you know, yeah. like I thought I could give some light, you know, something like and it just never worked. Um, 
But, you know, I tried. And as Diane said earlier, like we don't know necessarily, you know, what the outcome might be of something you may do or a prayer. But you try and you keep trying. And maybe something I've realized more recently is that I should just turn it into prayer more. Right. Like I don't need to convince somebody in a conversation um, or help them grow deeper, you know, through, through what we're talking about. But I can pray for them and pray for grace from God. And maybe that will transform them, you know. Sure. Sure. You know, often people use the expression, they're plant, you're planting seeds, planting seeds. And I think it's a good expression, but you have to remember that parable of the sower. The seeds that that sower planted, only 25% grew. Yeah. You know, and the ones that grew were, were great. They produced fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. But the majority of the seeds you sow just did fall on rocky ground or thorn ground. And, and so, you know, we're, that's why we leave the fruit up to God, I think. Yeah. Well, ultimately, he is the only person that can turn a person's heart. Yeah. It is not up to us. And I think understanding that is very important because it takes so much of that burden off our shoulders. All we're here for is to share the gospel and to be a light to those around us. We have no power to turn anybody into believers. That is yeah. really up to the Lord. So I think uh, one of the things we should do before we speak to people, if we really love them, if we really care for them as our brothers and sisters, is pray for them before you have a conversation with them yeah pray for them intentionally for like a week or two before you want to share the gospel with them because god can turn that soil from rocky soil or thorny soil into good soil yeah you take those sins away and those hardness of heart yeah we always complain about like that wasn't received well well did we pray before how much did we pray for the lord to give them ears to hear yeah that's always comforting for me as a priest because you know i'll preach a homily on sunday and sometimes i'd Oh, that went over like a lead balloon. Who knows? You know, I mean, you, you kind of throw the seeds out, scatter the seeds, and who knows how it's going to grow, if it's going to grow. Yeah. But you're right. The growth belongs to the Lord. Father yeah. Josh Johnson put it beautifully. He said, when he, talk, when he has a conversation with people, especially a difficult topic, like sharing the gospel or talking about racism or whatever, he said um, he prays to the Holy Spirit to give him the gift of tongues so that the Spirit may speak through him. But then he prays for the people to get the gift of interpretation so that they may receive the words of the Holy Spirit well and understand them. Yeah. And that was just, mm. I listened to that today and I was like, I'm going to use that all the time. That's what I'm going to pray for every time I'm going to have a conversation with somebody because the Spirit can speak through us, right? Yeah. But if we're not praying for the people that are receiving what we're saying, it's going to fall on rocky soil. Diane, you look like you have something you wanted to add. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would, I guess I would just say that, you know, with my friends who are atheists or just not practicing, um, I think it's really important to pray for them. I pray for them. I like specifically name and it get the list gets longer every day. All these people that I'm praying for, you know, like ex-boyfriends, all these friends (laughs) I've consecrated to not, I mean, they don't know it, but they're consecrated to Mary, you know, and um, I like... I mean, I laugh, but like, I think it's, I think it's really important. And it's like, there's only so much that I can do, but God can do like, you know, in his time, if it's, if it's his will, then, you know, he can change hearts. He can create and he can create, you know, a clean heart in them as well. That's heroic to pray for ex-boyfriends. Yeah. Heroic forgiveness right there. (laughs) You want everyone to be saved. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. I think one of the most important things that I've learned um, just in the past couple of months, like I said, I think the biggest growth that I've had has been in the past couple of months is to 
listen to people like to and I have a problem with that because I you guys know me I talk a lot but I've heard it said enough God gave us two ears and one mouth and I think it's because he wanted us to listen more than we speak yeah right that's true and when you listen to someone when you listen to their problems um, you listen to the things that they're going through especially in this time COVID work there's so much going on right now yeah, that we could listen to, you know, things that are going on with their families. When we listen to them and we tell them, I'll pray for you, yeah. you know, and then you have a conversation with them and you tell them, you ask them specific questions about how they're doing from what they told you. They'll know that you care. So they know that they can lean on you. Yeah. One of my best friends is an atheist, actually. He's, I sponsored him for confirmation many years ago. And now I cry a little bit every time I talk oh. to him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, we have some great conversations about the faith. And, uh, you know, he doesn't believe. And But, um, you know, as you're talking about, like, listening, you know, because when I talk to him, I hear those same basic desires of every human heart. You know, desire for happiness, a desire for meaning and purpose, a desire to know love. And I can always kind of connect some of the desire I hear in him back to the gospel. Mm. You know, he's telling me about, you know, the struggles with his family. Okay, well... Why are you struggling with your family? You know, do you, do you know you have a father who loves you in heaven? Because you know, you, I know you're struggling with your parents and this and that. And, and yeah, I think by listening, you can hear kind of the preparation for the gospel, the seeds of the word, as you yeah. know, the Second Vatican Council calls it in, in every person, even in people that are secular. Yeah. But now here's a question for you, though. What do you do if your friends who are secular are perhaps living a lifestyle or making choices that you know is they're not okay? You know, what if they get married outside the church or you know, start living with their boyfriend and girlfriend or, um, how do you deal with that? It's really tough because it's so hard to change people's view, right? In a lot of ways, I think everyone kind of thinks that they know everything, right? Like that we're all kind of our own gods. Isn't that sort of how society has evolved? Um, so it can be hard to share a different point of view. And, uh, just one example of that is my brother's like very good friend, um, asked him to be the officiant. Okay. So he wasn't Your getting married not a priest. in the <laughs> Catholic a church. Guy. Exactly. And this friend was raised Catholic, you know, and I think his parents wanted a Catholic ceremony, right? But I don't think the wife wanted it. Mm. So then Brian was trying to figure out, well, should I do this or not? And he went and talked to a priest where he goes to church in New York City and that priest said, sure, it's fine. You can do it. Really? Yes. That's not no the advice way. I would have given. No, and, and <laughs> I, I asked quite the opposite. a priest friend of mine who was like, he should not do that. No, no, <laughs> no. Uh. And so we know, right, with our Catholic understanding, they're not really married, right? They're right. not married. Right, it's not a valid marriage, yeah. Right, so they're living in sin. They're in a state of mortal sin, right? They can't get out of that until they get married in the church. So this is a really big deal. But our culture says that's fine, you know, like, oh, yeah, get married yeah. wherever you want, on a beach, at a park, all these beautiful things. Oh, my friend's the officiant. Oh, this woman online is the officiant. And we <laughs> filled out some questions and now she's telling our love story, you know, like you see that everywhere. Yeah, it's true. So so what do you do? Like, would you go to a wedding of someone, you know, that's, you know, just get married on the beach? Well, would I've, you be a, I've a done bridesmaid? It. I've done it. I've gone. So I guess that answers that. <laughs> <laughs> Would I, you? I wouldn't no you wouldn't no I just I feel like that we have to sort of 
I guess I, I have a strong conscience, so I, I feel like that would be going against what I feel is is right and sort of giving scandal in a way to other people um, mm. to make that, you know, like if they think, oh, well, she's, you know, a faithful Catholic and, you know, she's going, that's okay, um, things like that. Yeah, I had, to, I had to face that with my brother, you know, who decided to get married outside the church. Um, I have a brother who's a self-declared atheist. And, uh, you know, I, I went kind of dragging my feet. But I think whatever we do, we have to have, we have, to have that, that kind of relationship where we can speak our minds openly and honestly with love to them. And so I spoke with my brother and I said, look, you know, I'm here because I love you, but I don't necessarily agree with what you're doing. You know, and that's something our culture doesn't, I think, doesn't understand is that you can still love someone even if you don't agree with the choices they're making. Right. You know, and of course it's harder when it's family and it's a brother and, you know, yeah. Yeah. I haven't had to deal with that. So, well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. I think for me, it's, um, the first thing I do is the first thing I do with everything is prayer. I pray, you know, when I'm faced with that, because I don't know how to respond, you know, that's Javier's answer to every question that we ask. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Which is really the answer to every yeah, you question get, that we ask. You get that from the Word of God. I mean, it's like, true. you know, you take the, the, the disciples, the apostles, even St. Paul, like, you know, what did they do? They prayed. Even Jesus. Yeah. Jesus prayed so much. Yeah. You know, if, if, if our Lord and Savior prayed every single time he was faced with something big, like when he was about to start his ministry, he spent 40 days and 40 nights in the desert praying. Yeah. You know? We got to do the same. And the Amen. Uh, right before his passion, uh, he spent the whole night praying. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. so That's truth. I do that, and um, then I, I use myself in the example. You know, I say, "Hey, I know that I can't do this. I know that I can't do that. I know that the Lord calls me to do this, calls me to do that." And in a way, I'm letting them know, "Hey, this is the way that the Lord wants us to live our lives." Yeah, because if they really love you, they'll respect your conscience. Of too, course, you know, and. I just I'll close this topic with a brief story. A very dear friend of mine was debating whether or not to send his kid to public school in high school because he'd been going to Catholic school and been kind of sheltered, you know. And and he said to his kid, his kid really wanted to go to public high school. He said, "Look, I'll send you there for one year, and we'll see who changes who. If you change the environment, you stay. If the environment changes you, you come home." I think that's a good way to look at ourselves, you know, in a secular environment, whether it's our work or whether it's our friend group is who's changing who, mm-hmm. you know, if we're changing and starting to buy into the, the secular values, we should probably reevaluate our presence there. But if we can be a light, like you guys are sharing some awesome stories about being lights, then I think it's, it's God's will that you stay in this environment and plant the seeds that hopefully are going to bear fruit in souls. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us on Restless. That'll do it for this week. We're on the radio at 1350 AM, Veritas Catholic Network, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Listen to you next week. No, talk to you next week, because we're not listening to you. We'll talk to you, talk next, to you week. next week. Bye. 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 Listen to us next week. <laughs> <laughs>